Hi everyone, this is Frank Fear, and you're listening to Joey P and Frank NFL Division Games Edition. Well, Joe went four and two last weekend, missing on the Raiders and the Cowboys, but he got all the other games, all four of them, picked correctly. It was mostly a ho-hum weekend, except for the Cowboys 49ers game, and showdowns last weekend included several blowouts. Most notably, the Bills taking a no-prisoners approach against those despised New England Patriots. How will things turn out this weekend? Well, adding two number one seeds to the mix always adds intrigue, and will either or both of them be one and done? That's a big question. We'll see. Joe will evaluate the games in order, starting with Saturday and the Titans-Bengals game, and he'll end with a much-anticipated Sunday night contest between the Bills and the Chiefs. With that, here's Joe Platania. Well, thank you very much, Frank. And once again, my favorite part of the week to get to chat with you and all the terrific football fans out there. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Joey P and Frank football podcast, episode number 24. They call it the best weekend in football, the divisional playoff weekend. It used to be the first round a long time ago when you didn't have so many playoff teams, but it's now known as the second round. It used to be a time when you couldn't play a team from your own division in the divisional round. That's probably where it got its name. But anyway, uh, we'll have enough history lessons as we go through here and we go through the uh, the four games that uh, that come our way this weekend. Uh, one special note, a bit of a teaser towards the end of our podcast today. I'll have a few words about officiating in the NFL because this is the weekend where we find out who's going to be officiating the Super Bowl. It used to come from wild card weekend, and I think the uh, the uh, the league wanted to do it on, on, on a bit of a higher merit scale. So later on, we'll be talking about the officials in this weekend's games and which one of them could get the Super Bowl gig because it's going to be one of the four refs coming from this weekend's games. Now, of course, it's a, it's a big weekend with, of course, uh, some better teams, better quality coming this year, coming this year. And of course, you always have that outlier, the Cincinnati Bengals. They're bidding to become only the fourth team in 13 seasons to advance to a conference title game after finishing last or tied for last the year before. The other teams that have done that, the 2017 Jaguars, the 2017 Eagles, which went all the way, and the 2009 Saints, who also won the Super Bowl trophy. And that Jaguar team famously had a 10-point lead in Foxborough on the Patriots in the fourth quarter, but could not close the deal. Uh, Approximately 60% of the league, 19 out of 32 teams, This is a note that surprised me. 19 out of 32 teams will have played for a berth in a conference championship game over the past four seasons. You sure the cream rises to the top as it should this time of year, but the parody rears its head when you consider 19 out of 32 teams have gotten to this stage in the playoffs over the last four years. Uh, The chiefs are going for their fourth straight AFC title game. The Packers are going for their third straight NFC title game. The record, of course, by those dynastic New England Patriots, they went to eight in a row between 2011 and 2018. Uh, The NFC championship game record is shared. Uh, The Cowboys went to four straight twice, 70 through 73 and 92 through 95. And, of course, the Eagles under a much younger Andy Reid, they went to four straight between 
01 and 04. So uh, let, let's uh, keep all that in mind, as well as uh, six seeds. I mean, we have now seven seeds per conference, but uh, the number six seeds have done rather well. The 2005 Steelers won the Super Bowl. I remember that because they had to wear their white road jerseys all the way through the playoffs, and they had jersey choice in the Super Bowl that year, and they chose their white road jerseys. Superstitious, I guess, but they went to Detroit, and they beat the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, they certainly came through there. Uh, six seeds include the, uh, the 08 Eagles, the 2008 Ravens, the 2010 Jets, the 19 Titans, and the Super Bowl 55 champion Packers. All of them were six seeds that got to the conference title game. So uh, four great games, eight great teams. Let's get to it. And uh, as you look at the Saturday games, that's where you have the four seed Bengals and the six seed uh, 49ers. So let's start with uh, Tennessee, Cincinnati. Um, and the big question I think everyone's asking, will a fellow named Henry make the field this weekend? Do we know the answer to that question yet? Uh, I, I don't think we have it hard and firm, but I, I, I fully anticipate him playing. I mean, you have to be able to look through the coach speak and look through all the, the various games that people play with that sort of thing. I mean, you know, John Harbaugh, I mean, I'm based in Baltimore, so I see what John Harbaugh tries to do every week saying, uh, well, we're not going to tell the other team whether this guy's going to play. But uh, usually myself and my colleagues here in Baltimore, we're pretty good at figuring out uh, whether someone's going to play or not going to play. So all coaches do it. I mean, it's it's really not much of a big deal in the long run. But Cincinnati at Tennessee, it's on CBS at 4.30 Saturday to kick off the wild card weekend. Uh, I'm the wild card. Divisional weekend. Uh, the Bengals earned their first postseason win in 31 years last week when they beat the uh, Las Vegas Raiders in a game that maybe they shouldn't have won. There was some officiating controversy going on there. Jerome Boger, who refereed Super Bowl 47, he was at the head of the crew of that game, but they're not going to get an assignment for the rest of the postseason, probably not even for the Pro Bowl. And yeah, you might sneer at the Pro Bowl, but uh, hey, it's a game check to some people. But uh, the Bengals tied for seventh this year by scoring 27 points per game. Very, very respectable. But the Titans were sixth in the NFL in scoring defense, allowing 20.8. Now that points to two things. One, we haven't been talking about the Titans because they had the week off. And secondly, because if, if you allow 20 points a game and you're ranking sixth in the league, that tells you where the league has gone with all the high-flying offense and the passing games accelerating the way they have in recent years. Uh, they, Tennessee won the AFC South for a second straight year. Uh, the Titans' uh, 12 regular season wins were their most since winning uh, 13 of them in 2008. And what happened in 2008? They had a home playoff game, and Baltimore went in there and beat them. And the wild card last week, Joe Burrow, what, what a story he has been, staying healthy the whole year, figuring things out. He uh, was 24 for 31, 70%, 244 yards, two touchdowns, uh, no interceptions, 110.4 passer rating. Third quarterback in the last 30 years to complete at least 70% of his passes and post a 100 or higher rating in his first postseason start. The other guys who did it, uh, Kurt Warner, he's in the Hall of Fame, Drew Brees, who will be when he's eligible in about another four years. Jamar Chase, what a, what a real addition he's been. Part of the wave that teams took in the draft last year, you saw a lot of teams draft receivers who had played with their own starting quarterbacks in college. 
And while the Bengals were earmarked to take a, uh, an offensive lineman, Panay Sewell of Oregon, they, they passed that by. They went with Jamar Chase because he had caught passes from Burrow in college, and he had nine receptions for 118 in his playoff debut, breaking the single-game franchise postseason record held by Chris Collinsworth, who was a Bengal a long time ago before he picked up a microphone. The Titans... Titans are a very vexing team. They lose to teams like the New York Jets in Houston, and they beat teams like Buffalo and Kansas City. But uh, they, uh, they, they get home field advantage in the playoffs for the first time since 08 when Baltimore beat them. And Tennessee is the first team to earn the conference's top seed without. This is fascinating. They're the first team to earn the conference's top seed without a 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver since the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles, who won it all. Three of the last four teams to earn their conference's top seed without a thousand yard rusher, a thousand yard receiver have won it all, including the O three Patriots and the nineteen ninety six Green Bay Packers, the only Super Bowl that Brett Favre won. And a special note about the Bengals, though, if you you think they're lucky to be here, there there's certain things they want to get off that resume. The thirty one year streak without a postseason win, that box has been checked. But the Bengals in their entire history even back when they went to two Super Bowls way back when, the Bengals are 0-7 on the road in the postseason. Never won on the road in the postseason. The two Super Bowls they advanced to, they had home field advantage both times under Kenny Anderson, under Boomer Esiason. So it's up to Joe Burrow to erase another stain off the Bengals' playoff record. Speaking of the other quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, he's uh, he's taken his team to consecutive AFC South titles against the a very good and growing Indianapolis program. He's going to make his fifth career postseason start, 3,734 passing yards, 21 touchdown passes. Tannehill is the only quarterback with at least seven rushing touchdowns in each of the past two seasons. So looking ahead, if Tennessee wins this game and Tannehill goes up against Josh Allen, those two guys might lead the ground games in that matchup, but we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. We mentioned Derrick Henry a little bit earlier. What a a big, big back he is over the you know, 6'2", 245. He's, uh, he had a foot injury in uh, week eight against Indianapolis. And still, he had 117 rushing yards per game, 937 rushing yards. He was definitely on pace for about 1,800. Uh, three straight years, he's put up numbers like that. Since the NFL moved to an 16-game uh, schedule in 1978, Henry is one of only three guys to have led the league in rushing in yards per game three straight seasons, be playing at least eight games a year. The other two guys that did it, Ezekiel Elliott, and a guy who played for the same franchise, Earl Campbell. But mm -hmm. uh, when I per parsed all this over and looked over everything, uh, I, I really think that rest is, uh, if, if you use your rest the right way, you can turn your home field advantage and high seed into a, into a win and especially Tennessee, having upset a few apple carts along the way in Baltimore and New England the last few years. They know how to make a deep playoff run. Haven't gotten to a Super Bowl since Super Bowl 34, which was, what, 22 years ago. My goodness. But just the same, Tennessee is used to this now, and they have the home field. Like I said, Bengals have never won on the road in their postseason history. But, hey, Joe Burrow's checked off a few boxes, broken a few patterns. This is going to be a good game. But uh, especially with Henry back, I really, really like Tennessee in this one. You've got a 24-20 Tennessee. 
Let's go on to the next game on Saturday, a game that uh, has as much, if not more, national interest uh, to it than Tennessee and Cincinnati, and I would wager more national interest uh, because of the two teams involved, two Titans historically, uh, of course, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers now, and San Francisco, the 49ers. It'll be cold. I looked at the uh, at the forecast. It's a night game starting at 8.15, and so we have a situation that's similar to what the Patriots faced last weekend in Buffalo. This time, the 49ers, a West Coast team, have to experience it in northern Wisconsin. So your profile of the Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, 13 degrees is what I heard, and it's going to drop through to the single digits uh, during the game, 8-15 on Fox. It's Fox's only game of the weekend. Uh, they only had one game last weekend, a bit of a TV inside insider uh, information here. Uh, NBC wanted more playoff games, so they got an extra one. So they, they take one from Fox or CBS every year. This year, Fox is the one that suffers a bit. But anyway, uh, San Fran and Green Bay. Uh, a, a bit of leftover business from that San Fran-Dallas game. The last four times that they've those two have met in the postseason, the winner has gone on to win the Super Bowl. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, even though I did point out the, the success that number six seeds have had lately. But San Fran is a number six seed. They beat Dallas, and that pattern has the winner going on to win the Super Bowl. But I, I'll tell you what, the, uh, the winner of a 49ers-Packers playoff game has gone on to the Super Bowl on four separate occasions as well. This is going to be their ninth postseason meeting. They are tied at four and four. So uh, everybody, uh, both sides can have bragging rights there. Uh, the two franchises have combined for nine Super Bowl titles, 18 overall NFL championships. So you, our younger fans, if you're subscribing to this podcast, first of all, thank you very much. Secondly, there was an NFL life before the Super Bowl era that started in the 66 season. And Green Bay has 14 total championships, four Super Bowls, but 10 of them won before the Super Bowl era. But like I said, these franchises have combined for nine Super Bowl championships. They also own two of the top three uh, postseason records in NFL history. The Patriots lead that with a 627 winning percentage. But look who's right behind them, the 49ers at 611 and the Packers at 608. So consistency, continuity, constant contention. These are teams that know how to do it. The Packers have more uh, playoff wins than anybody else, 38. Uh, the, the 36, I should say. The Packers have 36, the second most. The Patriots have 37. So if Green Bay wins on their own home field, they'll tie New England for the most postseason wins in NFL history. Matt LaFleur, I'll tell you what, he, uh, he had to thank his lucky stars. He's coached the Green Bay Packers for three years now. He's the first individual since the merger to take a team to 13 or more wins in his first three seasons with a team. No team has ever done that before. But then again, before 1961, the season was only 12 games long anyway. And with a win on Saturday, LaFleur would join Jim Harbaugh, not John, Jim Harbaugh, as the only individuals since the merger to uh, lead teams to their conference championship games in each of their first three seasons as an NFL head coach. Jim Harbaugh, 40-14 and 14 in only four years with San Francisco, nearly beat his brother and Baltimore in a Super Bowl. Didn't quite work out for him. But uh, LaFleur and uh, Kyle Shanahan, they'll be battling each other, matching wits at Lambeau Field. They have uh, served on the same NFL staffs for eight total seasons. Shanahan 
including a one and zero record against the Packers, is three and one career in the postseason, with his only loss coming in Super Bowl Fifty Four to the Chiefs. And of course, uh, the quarterback is always the marquee guy in Green Bay. You won't find anybody more marquee than Aaron Rodgers, a Northern California kid who was a Forty Nine er fan as a as a child. Twenty first career playoff start in the divisional round uh, can tie John Elway uh, on that uh, unless he falls and breaks his ankle in the kitchen, which I don't think he's going to do. <laughs> Rodgers led the NFL 111.9 passer rating, became the fourth quarterback since 1970 to lead the league in that category in at least four different seasons. Uh, Rodgers, uh, by the way, Tom Brady too, both of those guys grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Rodgers played at Cal Berkeley under the great quarterback guru, Jeff Tedford. Brady, as a bit of a side note here, and we'll talk more about him in a minute, Brady and his dad were in the stands at Candlestick Park when Dwight Clark made that catch against Dallas in 1981 to start the 49er dynasty. The thing about that is they were sitting behind the other end zone, clear across the field, so they may have had a good view of it. I don't know. But uh, they uh, they got to see that in person. Uh, I was watching on a small block and white and rooting for Dallas. They were sitting in the stadium rooting for San Fran. So you can tell who got it right. But anyway, Aaron Rodgers is six and three in the regular season against the 49ers, including a victory in week three this year at Levi's stadium. But Rodgers is 0 and three against San Fran in the postseason. San Fran, a running style, a physical team. They've proven to be a tough matchup for a lot of people including the Rams. They had to beat the Rams to even get into the playoffs, and then they won on the road at Dallas. There's that sixth seed causing trouble again, like I pointed out a bit earlier. But they're going to have to learn how to cover Devontae Adams, who had 12 catches for 132 in the win, in the uh, week three win at uh, San Francisco. Second in the league in the catches with 123, second to Cooper Cup. Third with 1,553 receiving yards and fifth with 11 touchdown catches. Cooper Cup led all three categories. We'll talk about him later. But since 2016, Devontae Adams is the NFL leader with 581 receptions and 69 touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo a bit banged up this year for San Francisco as they they turned their glance toward Trey Lance. I did not mean to make that rhyme. It just sort of happened. But Garoppolo is 3-1 career as a starting quarterback in the postseason. Uh, Trey Lance... He's a good quarterback. He went to North Dakota State, and as a as a Towson University grad outside Baltimore, they've knocked us out of the Division One AA playoffs and the Division Two playoffs as well, including the 2013 title game. So I have a bit of a grudge against North Dakota State, but Trey Lance does a really fine job. But uh, Garoppolo, he's still producing. He's like I said, three and one in the postseason. So let's see what the future has for him. And he's got a lot of great weapons, of course. The most notable being Debo Samuel. I mean, what a tough, versatile player he is. 110 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown last week. And over his last nine games, including the wild card victory, Samuel has averaged 6.6 yards a carry and scored 10 touchdowns from scrimmage. That's been a trend around the league, using these receivers uh, out of the backfield. Cordero Patterson of Minnesota and Atlanta, also a fine return man he is. And uh, the Ravens, uh, kind of dip their toe in the water with their all pro guy Devin Duvernay we'll see if they move forward that with that but uh, Green Bay I I think I, I do believe I picked them to win because I almost never pick against them when they're at Lambeau Field San Francisco again a tough matchup for anybody they know how to play the 49ers 
but I, I have uh, I have Green Bay uh, coming out on top as uh, as uh, their, their their defense is getting healthier. Their special teams are the worst in the league. Let's put it that way. They're going to have to mask a lot of those deficiencies. They've done a very good job masking them, but the defense is healthy. David Bakhtiari is back at left tackle. I like Green Bay in a close one. Yeah, you've got uh, a difference by eight points. You've got Green Bay 31, the 49ers 23. Uh, and it's a great matchup to end uh, the uh, two-game Saturday slate. Uh, let's move on to Sunday. We've got the defending champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, going up against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and with that great quarterback, two great quarterbacks, Stafford, uh, Matt Stafford getting a Second lease on life after uh, years with the Detroit Lions and Tom Brady also getting a second lease on life uh, after spending so many successful years with the Patriots. So two great quarterbacks going up against each other. They always find a way to win. Uh, both can't win. And uh, so this pick may surprise some folks. Uh, I'll uh, let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. Joey, you've got the Rams. You've been high on the Rams all year long. So uh, tell us what you think about the Los Angeles Rams against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's a Sunday at three o'clock. The Sunday doubleheader is starting a bit later. It's, uh, it's on NBC. Like I said, uh, NBC wanted an extra playoff game this year or, or in the future years. So uh, another one of the other networks had to suffer. This game probably would have been on Fox. So uh, I'm sure Fox would have loved to have had this game, but uh, it's going to be uh, Rams and Buccaneers at the site of last year's Super Bowl and last year's Super Bowl champions. But yeah, back in August when I was making my picks for the divisions and the playoffs and all that stuff, I was very high on the Rams, even though they play in a very tough division. Three teams made the playoffs from that division. I, I thought the Rams could win the division. Uh, they're not, not as physical a team as you would want them to be. That's why they stumbled a bit in midseason. But you're right. I have been high on the Rams all season long, and I do feel they can go in there and upset the apple cart and beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But uh, here's a note that even surprised me. The NFC's Super Bowl representative has come from the NFC West or the NFC South in eight of the last nine years, including appearances by the Rams only three years ago and, of course, Tampa Bay last year. That, that's pretty something. Uh, if, you, if you're a fan in a town like Atlanta, or, um, or, or Seattle or, or, or something like that, you got, you got to be wondering, you know, well, why can't our teams do something like that? Or I, I said Seattle, I meant Arizona. Uh, if you're a fan in, in Atlanta or Arizona, you got to be wondering, we've got some behemoths in our division, and it's going to be tough to fight our way uh, through all that. But uh, the NFC South and West has sent teams to the Super Bowl in eight of the last nine years. And as a matter of fact, the NFC North, has only sent two teams to the Super Bowl since the turn of the century. So uh, they, they've got some work to do there, too. Anyway, Tampa Bay, they've scored 30 points in five straight games, postseason games, tied for the second longest streak in NFL history. Only the, uh, the New Orleans Saints from 09 to 11 have had a longer streak with six. The Rams have beaten the Buccaneers in both of their postseason meetings. They were both a long time ago. Bit of a history lesson for you. A bit of a quirky quirky history with these two in the postseason the 1979 nfc title game in the old tampa stadium uh, bills don't want to think bills fans don't want to think about that stadium uh, scott norwood and that's about it but anyway 1979 the old tampa stadium 
the Tampa Bay was just recovered from the futility of 76 and 77. And uh, they played the Rams in the NFC title game. Frank Corral kicked three field goals. I snoozed through the game and the Rams won it nine to nothing. Then I think it was about 20 years later in the Edward Jones Dome in St. Louis, those franchises met again in an NFC title game. Greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner. They did not perform that well that day, but Ricky Prohl made a really great catch in the end zone to uh, give the Rams the win in a game that ended 11 to six. I'm not kidding. 11 to six. That might be the only game in NFL history that had that score. But anyway, the Rams have the historical edge. Los Angeles has also won each of the past two regular season meetings against Brady and the Bucks, 34 to 21 at SoFi week three this year. Last year, they went down to Raymond James Stadium. I think it was a primetime game. They won 27 to 24. The Rams have been successful in the postseason against the Bucks. Tom Brady has personally been very successful against the Rams. Brady defeated the Rams in two of his Super Bowls, Super Bowl 36. That started the dynasty in the Superdome in New Orleans and Super Bowl 53 uh, that, uh, that they won 13 to three, lowest scoring Super Bowl in history. Uh, I still contend if the Rams had Cooper Cup healthy for that game, that might have turned out differently. What I remember about that game, there was only one red zone snap between the two teams the entire game. One red zone snap, a big pass to Gronkowski, and then the Patriots ran it in for a two-yard touchdown, 13-3. to three, uh, Brady and his boys won that one. Uh, only four other quarterbacks in NFL history have defeated the same opponent in multiple Super Bowls, including Eli Manning and a bunch of guys named Aikman, Bradshaw, and Montana. Now, with last week's win in the wild card game, Brady became the second starting quarterback in NFL history to lead multiple franchises to at least five postseason wins, joining Peyton Manning in that category. And this year, when it comes to touchdown passes, Brady, 44 years old, he threw 43 touchdown passes. It'd been great if he'd had one more, but uh, symmetry was not in the cards there. But even though Brady led the league with 43, look who was second, Matthew Stafford with 41. Matthew Stafford still gets a lot of criticism. Uh, and I, I, personally, I don't understand why. I mean, maybe it's that Detroit taint that still hands, hangs on him. But I think he's proven what he can do with a real team around him. I, I really think uh, going to a new team gave him a, a lease on life. I mean, sure, he had Calvin Johnson in Detroit, but that's just one guy, and the defenses weren't that great there either. I mean, last year, Stafford, last week, Stafford threw two touchdown passes in a 34-11 wildcard win over Arizona, Arizona team that had won in L.A. earlier this year, but uh, Stafford got the better of them in that, uh, in that department. And in the wildcard win, David Long, the cornerback who plays opposite Odell, uh, not Odell Beckham Jr., Jalen Ramsey. There's your superstar. David Long, he returned an interception three yards for a touchdown, the shortest INT touchdown in NFL history. And you just look at that Ram defense. If you're going to have David Long making plays, you have Jalen Ramsey making plays, Von Miller, get, who got his first postseason sack since Super Bowl 50 um, when, when, when he took down uh, Kyler Murray. You got Aaron Donald. Uh, Quentin Jefferson up front who went to Maryland. I mean, uh, the Rams have a defense that has just as much marquee value as the offense. They're a very, very complete team. They've proven they know how to beat Tampa Bay long ago and recently. And besides, like I said, I'm, I'm being stubborn. I had the Rams in the Super Bowl, so they've got to win this week. 
uh, Tampa Bay getting healthy in the de- in defensive secondary. They had two offensive line hurt last week. That might uh, that compromised Brady a bit. But I really love what the Rams bring to the table. I've loved it all year. So I've got L.A. winning. Yeah, you've got a 27-27 point spread. Uh, that's going to be a great game. And it sets up uh, the marquee game of the weekend, uh, a replay of last year's big game uh, in the AFC Buffalo this uh, year again, actually, traveling to Kansas City. You have the Kansas City Chiefs, I'll say it right up front, beating the Bills. A lot of people would disagree with that. So give us the logic as to why you think uh, the Chiefs are going to prevail over the visiting Bills. Well, with two teams like this, and believe me, I have a ton of respect for the Buffalo Bills. I mean, home field might make the difference. It'll be cold. It'll be dark. It'll be noisy. But then again, (laughs) how many nights have we seen like that in Western New York at a Highmark Stadium slash New Era Stadium slash Rich Stadium slash Ralph Wilson Stadium? How many names have they had up there? Anyway, Buffalo's got to work out their stadium issues. We'll, we'll talk about that some other time. Buffalo and Kansas City, 640. CBS is a second game of the weekend. I'm sure you'll see uh, Nance and Romo calling this one. Uh, Buffalo and Kansas City met, of course, in the AFC title game last year. The Chiefs won at 38-24. to 24. A bit of a deceiving margin considering how even I think this, uh, this matchup is. Each franchise does have four Super Bowl appearances. I don't, I don't need to tell anybody in Buffalo about those four Super Bowl appearances. Uh, they came consecutively. They lost them all, but still, to be able to do what they did, that'll stand for all time as one heck of an accomplishment. Uh, Kansas City spread theirs out a little more. Super Bowls one, four, fifty-four, and 55. And, and i got to tell you, in between all that, Kansas City was known as the team that, uh, that choked a lot there's no other way to say it uh, they they would get home field they would get high seeds and they could never 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 get over the hump i'll never forget one game against indianapolis where a lynn elliott a kicker who won a super bowl ring with the cowboys he was kicking for the chiefs he missed three field goals and the colts pulled off the upset so kansas city at one point had the second worst postseason record in the entire league as far as lifetime stats go but they've won six of their last seven now with the with Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes and all the great players they have on both sides of the ball, losing only in last year's Super Bowl. And Mahomes and Allen, who each threw uh, five touchdowns last week, they, they combined to, to, to make the 2021 playoffs the first postseason ever in which multiple players have thrown five or more touchdowns in a game. So, you know, people say, def- I know you just mentioned that defense wins championships, but I think my mind started to change on that about four years ago when New England met Philly in the Super Bowl and both of those defenses were ranked in the bottom third and they combined for a 41 to 33 Super Bowl. So uh, I think the way the league has been tilting these last few years, uh, you may have to rely more on your offense. If you can stop the other guy, great. But uh, offense is where the money is made. It's where all the salary cap dollars are going. Let's not forget that too, especially with offensive linemen. So offenses are... um, seem to be where it's at today and for the foreseeable future. Buffalo, of course, in a game that uh, I said on this podcast last week would be low scoring because Buffalo and New England had the two best scoring defenses in the league. What do they do? They go out and win 47 to 17 against the team that had given up only 17 points a game. Uh, The last team to score 47 or more points in a postseason game against an opponent that had allowed fewer than 18 during the regular season 
dynastic 1992 Dallas Cowboys who just stampeded their way through the second half of that season and then hung 52 on the Bills in Super Bowl 27 in Pasadena. That Michael Jackson did halftime of that game. But anyway, Dallas could have had another touchdown. They had, I think, two, two defensive scores in that game, and Leon Lett almost had a third, but Don Beebe, uh, big ups to him for uh, knocking the ball away from Leon Lett, a rather mistake-prone fellow he was. He went on to be an assistant coach, by the way. But anyway, last week's win, the Bills scored touchdowns on each of their first seven possessions. I think everybody knows about that. They became the first team to uh, pull off that feed in any NFL game since the Patriots did it week 11 of the 07 season when they went undefeated in the regular season. But the Bills, that was pretty special. All they had were kneel downs at the end, seven touchdowns on seven drives, no turnovers, no punts, no problem. The Chiefs have won six of their last seven, like I said, postseason games, only lost in the Super Bowl last year. Since Josh Allen entered the league as Buffalo's first-round pick in 2018, the, uh, he ranks third with 10 postseason touchdown passes. Mahomes has 22 and Brady has 14. But to be third on that list, that's not bad at all. Mahomes completed 30 of 39 for 404 and five touchdowns last week. He joined the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica of the Raiders, and uh, Kurt Warner as the only players ever to throw five or more touchdowns in multiple postseason games. Of course, Chiefs have a great array of targets, including Travis Kelsey, five for 106 and a touchdown last week in the wild card win. He can establish an NFL postseason record by reaching 100 yards again this week. Kelsey enters uh, with uh, four straight postseason games with at least 100 receiving yards tied with Larry Fitzgerald and Antonio Brown for the longest in league annals. And Kelsey also threw a two-yard pass to uh, Byron Pringle. Watch that guy, Byron Pringle. You can crack a lineup with Nicole Hardman and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. You must be doing something right. Uh, the first player in NFL history, Kelsey, is with a touchdown pass, touchdown reception, and at least 100 yards in a postseason game. Back to Josh Allen for a minute. During regular season, he became the first quarterback in NFL history to surpass surpassed both 4,000 passing yards and 700 rushing yards in the same season. He has led the Bills to wins in three of their last four playoff games. So lots of offensive talent, both sides of the ball. The Chiefs on defense, they've shown a propensity to take it away a bit more. That's how Dallas's defense got better, and it's how Kansas City's defense got better. Buffalo's had a very stout, consistent defense ever since Sean McDermott got there. That's why this is such a marquee matchup. Maybe special teams makes a bit of a difference. Harrison Butker, the Chiefs kicker, he has the second highest field goal accuracy percentage of all time, second behind Justin Tucker. And, beside, and, and I will tell you, it's not even close. Tucker is up at 91%, Butker at 89 It's still rather good, second best all time. So maybe he has the edge on the Bills in the kicking game. Uh, maybe the kicking and return games can uh, make the difference for Kansas City because these two teams look so even in so many areas. But maybe it's the kicking game, the home field, uh, the, the playoff experience. That's why – and the fact that I picked them to, to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm being stubborn again like I was with the Rams. That's why I'm sticking with the Chiefs. Yeah, you have it 38-34, uh, 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 Kansas City. But if you add it together in terms of the over-under, you see 72 points scored in this game. And going back to what you said earlier, Joe – Maybe at the end of the day here, it's going to be which defense can make that final big uh, stop. 
So uh, you've got the uh, Kansas City Chiefs winning that game 38-34. And in closing, Joey, uh, you talked about at the very beginning, you'd like to say a few words about refereeing. And so uh, it's back to you. I'll tell you what, uh, if you go through and watch an entire NFL game, preseason, postseason, regular season, it doesn't matter, and you don't know the referee's name, that's usually a good thing because they're usually not the story. You usually don't want them at the center of attention. But uh, when, when you consider the NFL's propensity to change things for the sake of change, which absolutely drives me nuts, changing the rule book, changing this, changing that, changing alignments, changing schedule formulas, uh, just to m maximize every drop of drama out of the game. And then uh, for a while there, the, the, the NFL referees were, were getting older and getting slower and they couldn't keep up with the faster pace of the game. Then officials are going to become the issue. They're going to miss a big call in a big game. And all of a sudden, you know, their names, but the NFL has tried very hard, at least, you know, or just going by the natural order of things. A lot of referees, and I'm not sure about the other officiating positions, but a lot of referees, the crew chiefs, have retired in recent years. You've got a guy who refed three Super Bowls who used to officiate high school games near Baltimore in Terry McCauley. Terry McCauley, Terry McCauley retired. retired. John Perry, John Perry retired. retired. Ed Hockley, Ed Hockley the muscle-bound lawyer who always talked a lot, he retired. Bill Levy, who did a Super Bowl, he retired. Jeff Triplett, well, he was probably fired, but he retired. But the NFL has done its best to get younger officials, particularly crew chiefs and referees on the field to keep up with the pace of the game. And uh, now they're, they're, uh, they're trying to earn their stripes as we move on through this postseason. That, like I said, the Super Bowl referee comes from divisional playoff weekend. That's this weekend. It used to come from wild card, the wild card games. Not anymore. It's more of a merit-based system. So, as, as much as the referees were under the spotlight last weekend for various reasons, I think fans should pay a bit more closer attention to what the guys in the white hats do this weekend because one of them is going to be wearing the white hat, being the crew chief at SoFi Stadium for Super Bowl 56. Now, for the first game on Saturday, Cincinnati and Tennessee, that's the only one of the four referees that's done a Super Bowl before. Cleet Blakeman, who's been, who's been a referee for a better part of a decade, he handled Super Bowl 50 in Santa Clara between Denver and Carolina. I don't remember too many controversies from that game. I don't think there was any. So, you know, he did a fine job there as Denver won with an aging Peyton Manning and Cam Newton coming up short. But Cleet Blakeman, the only ref this weekend that's done a Super Bowl before, he'll have Cincinnati and Tennessee. Now, the second game on Saturday, San Francisco, Green Bay, I believe you're going to have uh, uh, Ron Torbert working that game. Uh, Ron, uh, very few uh, African-Americans have worked a Super Bowl before, and uh, Torbert would be in line to be another one to get that uh, uh, distinction. And then you move over to the, the Sunday games, the first game in Tampa Bay, the three o'clock game between the Rams and the Buccaneers. Well, look who we have here, Sean Hockley, Ed's son, who became, he was promoted to referee right around the same time his dad retired. It might've been the same year, in fact, but uh, Sean Hockley, he doesn't have the, you know, the torso and the muscle bound frame that his dad had, but uh, he'll be, uh, he, he's earned it on merit. These guys get graded all year long. So Sean Hockley, he'll be the referee for uh, the uh, Rams and the Buccaneers and rounding out the, uh, the referee quartet for this weekend for that marquee game, 
Buffalo and Kansas City is Mr. John Hussey. He's been a rep for a few years as well, and he had a very fine year. Of course, he graded out this year very well, so he's going to get the assignment there. So it's either Hussey, Hockley, Torbert, or Cleet Blakeman, who did Super Bowl 50. One of those four guys will have Super Bowl 56, and let's hope we won't have any officiating missteps along the way as we had last weekend with the Bengals and the Raiders. So uh, that's your referee lineup. Just keep them in the back of your mind. And with no mistakes, hopefully they'll stay there. Thanks, Joe. Let's uh, do what we always do and go over your picks for the week. Uh, You pick Tennessee 24, the Bengals 20 in the first game on Saturday, and then Green Bay to beat the San Francisco 49ers 31 to 23. Sunday games, you have the Rams advancing, beating the Buccaneers 27 to 20. And in the big Sunday night game, you have Kansas City prevailing over the Buffalo Bills 38 to 34. As always, we really appreciate your being with us. We look forward to you being with us next weekend when we get into the conference championship games. For Joe Platania, this is Frank Fear. Thank you for listening. And as always, we ask you to be good sports. Take care, everyone. A tug of war, 22 nameless men grappling in the mud. They called it pro football.